yesterday we had um, we, we were coming from North Carolina, so we got into uh, the southern part of Pennsylvania, and that's where we stopped at a hotel so that um, we could get a good night's rest before we had the rest of the trip ahead of us to get home yesterday afternoon. Yesterday morning when I uh, woke up in the hotel room, um, my wife had the royal wedding on already. <laughs> my interest in that from 1 to 10 is around a zero, I guess. But, <laughs> but I was kind of forced to listen to it. But I was kind of glad I did. Um, the, they had brought in a, a black minister, black, uh, Pentecostal minister to preach. And he gave some sermon. I'll tell you, I, I bet you they have never in that church ever heard a sermon like that on the love of God. I was jealous because I wish I could preach like that. You know, it was like, wow, he was really going to town. And, you know, who knows what that will do. We, you know, we just, we just don't know. But as I, I watched the, uh, the royal wedding with my wife and uh, I was thinking when they were at the altar and they both kind of looked at each other and said, I do. You know, will you take this woman to be your wife and honor her and love her, you know, through the, uh, through the years that you're going to be alive? And I, and I was thinking, you know, most of us, when we get married, and if you think back to your wedding day, you have no idea what that really is going to entail. You know, you, just, you love your wife or you love your husband and you just... And you say, I do, you know, but it's that day-to-day, hour-by-hour that you go through when you're, when you're, when you're married, you know, it, there's, there's a lot to it. And I took that and I applied it to when we give our lives to the Lord and say, we want to be a disciple. We want to be your disciple, Lord. And... We don't really know what all that that entails because Jesus really gives some tough statements to disciples. And let me read some of them to you because it's, it's really interesting that it's something that we would probably never know about or think about when we first say to the Lord, you know, I want to be your disciple. I want to give my heart to you. Do not think, this is Jesus' words now, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Those are pretty tough words. He says uh, in another instance in the book of Matthew, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. 
but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So these are hard words, and when you think about denying yourself, it's, it's that the flesh against the spirit all the time, you know, in our lives. And, you know, we, we deal with so many, so much, so many things as, as disciples that, that, you know, that God wants us there, but it's going to be very, very difficult. The, the, the good part is Jesus never gives us something that we can't do because he's always there with us, you know, to be able to help us through to, through those times. So let's pray, and then we'll uh, move on into his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you have brought us in to your kingdom, that you do make us your disciples, that you're always there to help us, to be with us in, in all of these things. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that we grow as your disciples, that we grow closer to you, as we uh, do all the things that you show us each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I looked up that word disciple, and there's, there's another word that comes along with it, and that's discipline. They both come from the same Latin word, which is, if I remember how to pronounce my Latin, discipulus, and that means pupil. All right, we, we are pupils of Jesus. And as a pupil, you try to find what your master is doing. And whatever your master is doing or has done, that's what we're to imitate. That's what we're to do. But it's not, it's not that easy. Being a disciple has a cost. There's a, there's a cost to it. It's going to take a lot to do that. As I said before, Jesus is always there to help us out. He's, never, he's not going to say, all right, you're on your own. Whatever you can muster up and do, uh, that's what you can, you can. I want to talk about three different things that God told us to be disciplined in. And they all come from the book of Matthew. And I'm going to go into Matthew chapter 6. And these are going to be verses that I'm sure that you're familiar with probably read them over and over again. And I'm going to start uh, right in verse 1. But the three things, basically, are the discipline of giving, the discipline of prayer, and then the discipline of fasting. So let's go to uh, chapter 6 in Matthew, and I want to start right in verse 1. We're not going to go through, we'll go through them all separately. It says, Take heed that you do not, do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. If you want to hold your hand into, in Matthew 6, I would just want to go into very quickly 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
And if you don't want to go there, I'll just read it to you. And, and here he's talking about, again, giving. A lot of times when we think of giving, we think in terms of money, right? And it is, in some of it, instances, it's money, but it isn't just money. It's also giving of ourselves. It's the time that we have. You know, our time can be very, very precious to us. Uh, if we're busy with family, we're busy with work, there isn't a whole lot of time left, and you do have to sleep, and, and you have to eat, and, and so on. So the time is important, but God does want us to give of our time also, all right, uh, in different things. So he says, starting in verse 6, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance in every good work. God wants us to use our time to do the good works. He will give us an abundance in doing the good works as long as we follow what he asked, which was giving generously, giving bountifully. This is, this is a difficult topic to talk about because, number one, most people that are here preach on this I don't agree with, and, and they probably wouldn't agree with me. I really think the New Testament idea of giving is giving generously. Now, I know people, most, most um, pastors that you hear preach on this will talk about tithing. And tithing is the 10%, take, giving 10% of your, of your salary. I'm not throwing tithing out the window. But I really think the, the New Testament model is what do we consider from ourselves giving generously, and that's what we should be giving. And I'm not just talking about Bridge Builders Church now. If I were, I'd be talking to the choir because I know every time somebody comes uh, to, to preach in a church and we give toward that person, it's just amazing from such a small amount of people how much money comes in for that person to take away with them to the mission field or wherever they're going. But it's the um, going back to what I'm saying, it's in, in the New Testament I really feel that they, they don't really... You don't hear much about tithing. Paul doesn't really talk about tithing. He doesn't go to each of the church, to Corinth, to the Galatians, and so on, and say, make sure you tithe, make sure you tithe. You don't, you don't hear that from him. But he does talk about giving generously. So what's our opinion of giving generously? Well, if we're not sure, we might say, well, then I could use the example of the tithe. But you don't have to, because what is God telling you to give generously? That's what you should give. And again, it's not just money. It's, it's the time, it's the, the efforts that you give into helping other people because there are so many needs out there. And a lot of the needs do take time away from us. So let's kind of look at it in, in, that, in that realm. Let's go back to Matthew. Now verse 5. 
And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions, as the heathen do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. I think as we, we, if, if we were to take everything in Matthew that, we, you know, that we're reading about, when you give, when you pray, and then we go when you fast, a lot of it is the heart attitude that we have. It's not so much, you know, did we do it? It's the heart that we have when we do it so that our, our heart is to please God and not man because we can give or we can pray openly and, and then get re, kind of get rewarded for it. You know, oh, these guys pray a lot, these guys give a lot, and, and so on. But where is our heart in that? Are we trying to please God? It, it, it's, it's sometimes hard to, to keep things secret. Like, for example, we have prayed many, many times corporately. We've organized... Uh, We've had prayer breakfast where we pray in groups where we went to the, to the Baptist church a couple of weeks ago on the National Day of Prayer, and we had a, a great time of prayer. It's all corporate prayer. You can't do those things in secret. It's impossible. But where is your heart attitude? Did you, did you do it because you wanted to please God, or did you do it because you wanted to please man? And that's where we have to uh, be careful in that. Verse, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 46:10 says, "Be still and know that I am God." I think I think that psalm is talking about our personal prayer. We need at times to be still before God. We need to be praying. This is the this is one of the prayers where maybe God's when God talks about you know going into your closet and praying secretly. Um, again, it's that hard attitude that when you do that, are you trying to please God and are you trying to hear from God? When we pray privately, that's our time to say, Lord, you know, what are you saying to me? And we have to give him some time while we're praying to, to be able to do that. In other words, pr- prayer is not like a canned thing. I'm going to pray for 10 minutes and as soon as 10 minutes is up, I stop. And I go and do the next thing that I wanted to do. But you didn't give God a chance to speak to you. And that's what we, we have to make sure that as we're praying privately, that we give him the time to speak. Sometimes, you know, we open up our Bibles while we're praying and just read a couple of scriptures. And sometimes those scriptures will start speaking things to us. And then you close your Bible and, and God continues speaking in, in some way. Those are all things that are important as far as the, the time of, of personal prayer. I love Luke 18, 1, and I want to read that. And I know you know this story already, 
But in real life, we don't like to pester people. We, we're not very popular if we pester somebody. You know, so if, if you have a, you know, a, a small uh, son, grandson or something, and they're constantly pulling on your pants and, you know, I want this, I want ice cream, I'm with this, you know, and you, after a while it's like, will you leave me alone? God doesn't say that. And I think this story brings that out. It says, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, there was a certain city in there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually, continual coming she weary me. So she just pestered this judge and pestered the judge until finally he said, enough, I'll just give you what you want. And it sounds like that's really not very good. But then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out, day and night to him, though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? It is so important that we continually talk to God, ask God certain things. You know, there are certain things that we need to pray for regularly. One is like our nation, our president. These are leaders that God tells us. He actually commands us to pray for them. So how often should we pray for them? All right? You think with this persistent prayer, I think God wants us to pray for them regularly, daily, you know, to be, to be interceding for, for, for men in authority because they are in charge of us in certain areas, maybe not, not spiritually, but in, in material ways. And then, of course, pray for your leaders spiritually, all right, your, your pastor and, and other people who are um, uh, giving you advice at certain times, who are praying for you regularly, all right, those, those are things that we are, need to be persistent in, and God wants us to do that. And then, of course, Hebrews 10.25, you don't have to go there, but he says, not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together, okay, and we see this right here. All right, we're assembled together. We're spending time in worship. We hear, you know, the Holy Spirit is here. He's moving. And a lot of times we're hearing things, you know, personally as we're spending this time in worship. And hopefully uh, sometime we would also, you know, hear things corporately. And it does, it does happen. We're going to see that uh, in a little while. And then finally... There needs to be, as far as prayer is concerned, make sure that your, your heart's always in that right place, that you have forgiven anybody, that you hold something against. You don't want to do that and then pray because more than likely it's going to put a blockage, put a wall up that prevents your prayers from ever being answered. And the last thing we want to talk about is 
fasting. Now we've gone from my favorite thing to talk about, because I love to talk about prayer, and I love to pray, to fasting, which I hate to talk about, which I hate to do, okay? Not on my list of favorite things. It's like way down here at the bottom, okay? Fasting is hard. It's very, very difficult because it's self-denial. It's, it's denying your body something that your body really, you know, wants to do. And most of us love to eat. So it, it's, I think that's why God touches that. I would have been very happy if God said, Fasting is no good for you, so don't do it. But he didn't say that, unfortunately. I want to take you into Second Chronicles 20 and show you, biblically, some of the results of fasting. So if you can go to Second Chronicles 20, and if not, you can just listen to the story. It's a great story of Jehoshaphat. He was king of Judah at, the t- at this time. We're going to start right in verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazan Tamar. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Jehoshaphat didn't know what else to do. This is a large army. It's actually several armies coming together, all coming against um, the Jewish people. And Jehoshaphat didn't know what else to do, so he declared a fast. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Here's the first result of their fasting, is that the people united. They came together. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it, and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, justice, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon and Moab, Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we want to know what to do. 
but our eyes are upon you. Now, all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, and the son of Mataniah. I probably destroyed every one of those names. A Levite of the sons of Asap, and in the midst of the assembly. And he said, and here's another result of the fasting, this prophecy. Listen, all you of Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Isn't that great when God says to you, the battle's not yours, it's God's? And he tells us that in other times. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook. Before the wilderness in Jeruel, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord. Worshipping the Lord. Here's another result of that fasting. They're all worshipping God communally, all right, as a nation. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohoatites and of the children of the Kohoatites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And the story goes on that these groups of nations that were coming against Judah, they turned on each other, and they started fighting against each other. They wound up killing each other, and all of Judah just went in and took the spoils because all the men were dead. There was no battle that they had to fight. Okay, they just The battle was God's, and God took, took care of that. And this is what you see. I mean, uh, Jehoshaphat just decided that we're the people of God. And... The people of God can't be defeated because we have God, right? It's the same as us. We here are the people of God. We can't be defeated, all right? We can't be, God, you know, Jesus has already won all those battles, okay? So those battles are, are that we have to face day by day by day, we already have that victory, but we have to claim that victory. Sometimes it takes fasting and prayer to see that, it takes fasting and prayer to move into where God wants us. Um, I know uh, it was probably about a month ago Jay mentioned about uh, fasting and to, to do that because Bridge Builders wants to see, you know, where, where do you want us to go, Lord? You know, where, you know, what do you have in our future? And we don't want to miss anything along the way. And I encourage you to, to take 
a day this week and fast the way that you feel you can, according to your health issues and everything. Sometimes fasting is giving up just dessert that day. Sometimes fasting is giving up one meal and then spending that time that you would normally have eaten and praying during that time. Some people can fast all day. Jesus fasted for 40 days. It's like, how would you do that? You know, that's that's a long time. I know Moses did too. I know uh, during World War II, and I I mentioned this during the the men's meeting uh, that we had uh, men's prayer prayer breakfast at the uh, Baptist church, but it was actually the king of England declared a day of fasting because the British army was trapped on Dunkirk uh, during, uh, the, at the, during, the, during the war. And had they not been able to get off of Dunkirk, then Hitler would have taken over all of England because their, most of their British army was there and they would have been destroyed. And you could see how, I mean, not that, no, you know, there were people who were killed and trying to evacuate them. But uh, fasting and prayer was called on and as a nation. We, if, if, if you look at our nation, there were many times when people in, in our nation fasted over various things that were going on. Abraham Lincoln called the day of fasting and prayer during the Civil War. And there are not too, not too many civil wars in countries where the country that was in the Civil War actually made it through the war and still existed. Because most of the nations that had civil wars, they just kind of demolished them themselves. And yet we came out of that. And that was God. That was God that we were able to do that. So um, we we do need to be, continue to to pray where where our church is going. We also need to be praying about our nation because uh, there is so much going on. Uh, as, as we end, I do want to pray for the families in Texas. I know they had another uh, incident in the schools. Ten, ten students were killed uh, by another student. And um, I'm sure, you know, there's, there's a lot of fallout from things like that. Uh, not only the families, which I, I just feel so badly for parents of kids that send their kids to school and then they don't come home. But then, you know, it's, it's what all the other children are going to go through now because uh, they, they just get scarred by so much uh, that is going on. So, Father God, we just uh, we thank you for your presence here, Lord. We thank you for that, that, that you have blessed us in, in so many ways, Lord God. Lord, we, we do want to hold up these families, the families of those uh, who were uh, killed, the families of those who were injured, and we pray for all the students who survived, Lord, for uh, what they're going through in their minds and the, the, the fear that this puts in, into us, Lord. And we, we pray, Lord, that uh, because you are a God of comfort, that you would be there to comfort these uh, families, Lord, and that uh, you would send uh, the right people to minister uh, to these families, Lord God, and that uh, somehow, uh, through this incident, that many will come to know you, that many will look and seek you out, Lord. We thank you that uh, as uh, we leave here today, Lord God, that we bring your presence with us. 
We pray that we honor you, that we glorify you in everything that we do and everything that we say today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.